Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com. This is the Ready for the Draft podcast post-draft edition, the second installment. Last time, we went alphabetical order in terms of the teams, breaking down each draft pick, pick by pick, taking a look at how that's going to fit in, who the players are, and what you can expect going forward uh, for each of the franchises. We made it from Arizona through Denver. So we'll pick up where we left off with the Detroit Lions here in just one moment. But first, wanted to give a quick update on my Achilles injury. Last day of the draft, April 27th, would have been four months since I had done uh, the, the, the Achilles tear out in California, uh, running up a very steep hill. And, uh, you know, I look at things now and I went through physical therapy this, this past week. And a lot of the exercises are getting a lot easier. My balance is coming back. Still having issues getting up on my toes, um, you know, especially with a calf raise and really getting that muscle there in the calf. But really starting to progress a lot better than I would have thought. And especially just being four months out with an Achilles injury, um, I, I feel like things are moving in the right direction. When I go to the gym now, I don't have to do seated only exercises. I can actually stand up and be able to work with weights now. So progressing in the right direction for sure. The reason why I bring this up, uh, you know, Emmanuel Sanders uh, tore his uh, Achilles. He's already starting running and I believe he's tore his in December. Uh, so he's got a few weeks on me and uh, I know probably by Memorial Day, I should be able to start running. So um you know, I know where, where he's at in, in the game, and I wish him well there. Also have to wish uh, Isaiah Crowell. That's really the one big thing that I wanted to talk about was Isaiah Crowell tore his Achilles, and it looks like uh, you know the Raiders now are going to have to transition to Josh Jacobs much sooner rather than later in that backfield. You know, Isaiah Crowell was brought in, team with, with Jalen Richard uh, and DeAndre Washington, was going to split time with Josh Jacobs there. With him being out for the year, you know, and he's probably going to be out for a good, you know, anywhere between eight months and a year. Josh Jacobs now becomes a focal point of that Raider offense on the ground. You know, I think the Raiders may end up bringing in one more veteran, but at the end of the day, you know, that's going to make a huge impact there on what the Raiders do on offense. So, you know, it seems like the Achilles injury these days, you know, more and more of these injuries are happening. Um, I've been, um, I've suffered the same, the same injury, and uh, I know that that's something that these guys are really going to have to work work through. And uh, you know, I wish them well, wish them a speedy recovery. Um, you know, as I continue to rehab my own injury. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely impacts teams. You know, Brandon Brooks there in uh, in Philly uh, as a guard, he also tore his Achilles. So Eagles having to look at you know what that's going to look like um, from an offensive line standpoint up front because he probably won't be able to start the year so um, because he did tear it you know in the playoffs. So what does that line look like? You know, we'll, we'll talk about Philly uh, probably in next episode, but uh, we'll take a look at what that looks like for them. So enough of the Achilles talk. Let's get into the pick-by-pick -pick analysis here with the NFL draft. And you take a look at the Detroit Lions first and foremost. You know, With the Lions, here's, here's kind of the deal, and, and I'm not... You know, I wasn't expecting TJ Hawkinson to even be on the board for Detroit because I was expecting Jacksonville to go tight end. However, 
I can't fault Jacksonville for taking Josh Allen, just having him fall into their laps. My goodness. You know, absolutely. I would, I would take him in a heartbeat. You know, the arguably the top edge rusher in the draft, you know, no offense to, to Nick Bosa. But when you talk about, about Detroit and why this does make some sense is, you know, the, the, the top, top 10 defense a season ago under Matt Patricia, uh, but the passing offense, you know, is ranked in the in the top ten five times, and no lower than twelfth between 2010 and 2017. Fell to 20th in 2018, while the running game yet again finished in the back half of the league in yards per, per uh, yards per game. Now there were some some uh, reasons for to be optimistic. You have Kenny Galladay, who's emerged as a legitimate number one wide receiver. Carryon Johnson showed some promise in his rookie season. Um, you know, and and you have you know Daryl Bevel as as the offensive coordinator now to really take hold of that offense now the question was were the Detroit Lions really going to take another tight end in in the top 10 just five years after they took Eric Ebron and uh you know obviously the the answer was yes uh with with taking TJ Hawkinson but look here's here's the deal you know from a tight end production standpoint in the passing game you know you got to get Matthew Stafford some weapons and uh I think the top tight end, you know, in terms of receptions was uh, Levine Toilolo. Um, you know, let's see, he was the sixth leading receiver. Um, you know, and, and so when you look at that, that's, you know, not a, not a ton of production there at all. They brought in Jesse James um, from, from Pittsburgh. Uh, Michael Roberts is another guy who's shown some flashes, but, you know, even, even then, you know, a season ago, you know, the only impact he had, nine receptions, uh, 100 yards, did score three touchdowns, um, which is actually third most uh, on the team. But uh, getting a tight end like TJ Hawkinson is going to be huge. A guy who's going to be a weapon down the down the seam for sure. Um, you know, a, a guy who's who can take the top off of a defense, very athletic, um, excellent leaper. You know, when you talk about TJ Hawkinson, he's the Mackey Award winner, 49 receptions, 760 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, Pro Football Focus noted that he had a uh, 139.1 passer rating when he was targeted, which was highest among the tight ends in this draft. And 37 of his 49 receptions went for a first down. Natural pass catcher, uh, attacks the ball in the air, uh, excellent red zone option. But look, we talked about the running game yet again in the back half of, of the league in terms of yards uh, yards per game. And you know, I've, I've detailed you know, time and time again just what type of a blocker TJ Hawkinson is. And uh, you know, I, I've, I've talked about it on the podcast. I have it out, outlined in uh, my mock draft on the website, readyforthedraft.com. But, uh, you know, time and time again, this was a guy, just that powerful leg drive, firing off the ball and, and just pancaking guys, you know, just driving them into the ground. Uh, you know, TJ Hawkinson, to me, is, is a guy who can come in right away and, uh, and get the job done. Um, moving on to the second round, Jelani Tavai. Now, Jelani Tavai, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Jelani Tavai and... Uh, I thought that this was a few rounds too soon. I, I, I think Bob Quinn was saying that absolutely somebody was going to be jumping up and taking Tavai, but you know, honestly, at the end of the day, with it, yes, he he was a, you know 120 plus tackles um, in back to back seasons as a sophomore and junior for Hawaii, uh, 19 and a half tackles for loss as a as a sophomore. Um, during those two years, total of, of 30 and a half tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks, a couple of of interceptions, three pass breakups um, as a 
uh, a senior injury riddled season also you know suspended for the first game um you know ended up in those eight games 82 tackles five and a half tackles for loss two sacks uh six two 250 pounds really the question is going to be what are they doing at the linebacker position is this more of a situation where um you, you look at matt patrician you say okay matt you know is this a are we looking at possible conversion to a three four defense you know because we've got the traditional four three there in denver and you have uh, Jared Davis playing middle linebacker. So we're, what, what are we looking to do here? You know, we've got Devon Kennard, who's an outside um, outside linebacker who can get after the quarterback. Christian Jones uh, is an athletic outside linebacker as well. You know, are we looking at moving uh, Jared Davis there to you know to the spot occupied by Jones, and then having Jelani Tavai man the middle? I mean, obviously, if you're taking a guy in the second round, you have enough confidence in him to ultimately be the starter. You know, I mean, if you're taking someone, they're they're going to be starting sooner rather than later. So the real question is, is what's going to happen there with uh, Jared Davis? I think maybe they move him uh, outside Christian Christian Jones last year of his contract. Maybe that's really them looking more so uh, into the future. Um, you know, with with taking Jelani Tavai there. So good player. You know, I was actually expecting him to come off the board probably around round four ish uh, before it was all said and done, but. Uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, Tavai has a chance to be a, a pretty good so, uh, starter there in the league. Um, uh, safety position addressed there on day two, third round. Uh, Will Harris out of Boston College. Look, you know, Quandre Diggs is, is your strong safety. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, Diggs... Um, you know, had three interceptions on the year, one of which was returned for touchdown. Um, but Miles Killebrew is going to need to be pushed. You know, Killebrew not much of a factor a season ago um, at the safety position. Um, you know, you had uh, let's see, uh, Glover Quinn was was back there at at, uh, at free safety. Now Miles Killebrew kind of brought in, and I think Will Harris is going to be that guy that's going to come in and compete for a starting job. Will Harris, you know, um, to me, I. I you worry about his, you know, some of the stiffness in his hips. Is he going to be able to, uh, to cover? Is he going to have some of that range? Um, I, I think he plays very well downhill. Um, and I think that's something that you definitely see there. Um, 225 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, uh, does have five interceptions and seven pass breakups along with four fumble recoveries. So he, he has a good, does a good job with his, his eyes and, uh, you know, trusts his eyes very well, decent ball skills, uh, can match up with tight ends pretty well. And, um, you know, I think he's, he's solid in the box, you know, going to be one of those in the box type safeties. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's probably also going to be pushing Tracy Walker for the starting job as well. But uh, a guy who can make an immediate impact on special teams, and I think he's going to push for that starting spot, and wouldn't be surprised if he's a starter when it's all said and done. Now, I, I had uh, Detroit taking a, a pass rusher in round number one. I think what they what they were looking at was the fact that they brought in Trey Flowers uh, to team with with Deshaun Hand. Um, they're at the end position. They could look at other positions at that point also Montez Sweat who I had going to Detroit it looked like you know that that heart issue was a lot more concerning to a lot of teams but I was surprised that they waited until round four to get their pass rusher you know given that they do have uh, Austin Bryant that they brought in in round number four now look here's the deal with Austin Bryant you know and, and why I like like him you know he's 
he's a guy, you know, I, I thought bending around the edge, did a really good job there uh, with a very quick first step. And, and you usually see him getting a, you know, getting off the ball much quicker than some of the his uh, his counterparts there at Clemson with uh, Christian Wilkins, uh, Cleveland Furl. You know, he he was much quicker off the ball, I think, than those guys. Uh, I, I think the issues were, you know, when he was trying to to redirect, um, you know, and you know some of that bending around the edge. But it was that quick quick first step that really got him to win. Powerful powerful hands. I think he does a good job setting the edge against the run as well. Um, you know, fifteen. Uh, tackles for loss in each of the last two seasons, eight and a half sacks in each of the last two seasons. Very productive, 21 total uh, sacks in his career. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy who, you know, he, he does play a little bit too high. You know, he needs to drop that pad level a little bit. But a guy who's a tireless worker, always working to the quarterback, 6'4", 271. Um, you know, high effort guys, you know, Matt Patricia is going to love having him there in that lineup. Um, you know, I can expect him playing opposite Trey Flowers on passing downs. Fifth round, Amani Oruwarie. Now look, Amani Oruwarie was a guy that I was expecting to come off the board much sooner. I, I think there were some people that expected him to be a a first rounder, possibly you know second round at the <clears throat> at the latest. And uh, you know I'm surprised that he fell all the way to the fifth round. Big physical corner, um, you know a, a guy who you know look he's. Um, 6'2", 205, ran a 4'4", 740, not the longest arms in the world, um, but a, a guy who does a tremendous job making plays on the football. Uh, I, re- I remember as a junior, he was my favorite player on, on Penn State, uh, and he wasn't even a starter. Had four interceptions, seven pass breakups, and then as a senior comes in with another three interceptions and 11 pass breakups, you know, 20 total pass breakups in his career, eight interceptions for the Nittany Lions. And, you know, the thing that I really like about this pick is, you know, again, bigger corner. Um, you know, people talk about his his top end speed. You know, they weren't sure if he was going to be, you know, that that uh, that vertical or, the, you know, a, a corner that could could handle that that vertical threat. But I think he's he's shown that he's a lot quicker than everyone was expecting him to be a guy who can make plays on the back end of the defense. Doesn't shy away from contact either. Again, I'm surprised that he fell and lasted all the way to the fifth round. I'm looking at the corners, and you know you've got Darius Slay on one side, uh, and I think Oruwariye has a good chance to challenge Tease Tabor for uh, the other starting spot. You know, when you look at that cornerback position, you know Detroit only had seven interceptions the entire season, and it was essentially three players that actually you know hauled in those. Um, those interceptions, you know, and three of them went to Quandre Diggs, the safety, and uh, another one went to another safety, the 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 rookie um, from a season ago, Tracy Walker. Um, but uh, the other three were Darius Slay. No other corners anywhere to be found there, you know. So that's a big reason why Detroit finished tw- uh, tied for 29th in the league with just the seven interceptions. Only San Francisco's two. You know, we're we're below uh, that that seven interception total. So and I look at Tease Tabor, not really produced and to what everyone was expecting of the former second round pick. I think Oruwarie has a good chance to come in and steal that starting spot away. Um, you know, I expect him to be very physical there on the outside. 
Travis Fulgham out of Old uh, Old Dominion, 6'3", 215, bigger, um, you know, physical receiver, a guy who I think you know really put things together for the Monarchs here. His his uh, final season at Old Dominion, six um, three two fifteen, um, sixty three receptions, um, thousand eighty three yards, nine touchdowns, seventeen point two yards per reception, um, good length and decent decent speed uh, up the field. Um, Excellent body control, um, does a good job tracking the ball well over his shoulder, uh, can ma- has a flair to make that acrobatic catch as well. Uh, ran a 4.5840 at the combine, 36.5-inch vertical leap. Uh, when you look at Detroit and their wide receivers, again, you know, you, you've know you got a receiving core that uh, is without um, you know Golden Tate. So you've got Kenny Galladay, you've got Marvin Jones, and now you ha- add Danny Amendola to the mix you know, to play in the slot. And Travis Fulgham, I think, has a chance to make the roster. He's going to be battling Brandon Brandon Powell and Tommy Lee Lewis, smaller receivers for uh, the, the number four wide receiver spot. I think Travis Fulgham has a darn good shot at, uh, at not only making the roster, but being a guy that can be that number four wide receiver for Matt, Matthew Stafford. Now, Ty Johnson was taken there in round number six, the running back out of Maryland. And this was kind of a curious pick, especially when you look at Carrion Johnson, uh, Theo Riddick, Zach Zenner was brought back, C.J. Anderson brought in from the Rams. Um, so Ty Johnson, unless they're looking at addressing the the return game with Jamal Agnew, um, it's, it's one of those things to where I just don't know if Ty Johnson, if there's going to be enough room on the roster for him. There are a lot of other guys that... Um, are, are established in the league. And, uh, you know, this was a guy had a thousand yards as a sophomore, um, played in just nine games as a senior, um, you know, over 2,600 yards to his name and, and 17 touchdowns. Um, but a guy who just never really lived up to the hype. And, and that's something that I think has to be, uh, concerning when you look at a guy like, uh, you know, Ty Johnson, um, you know, the, Dra- the combine passed over him as well. Um, so just really a curious pick all, all overall. Seventh round, Isaac Nada brought in a, a tight end. You know, this was a guy who was expected to be um, one of the top tight end prospects. Then he runs that 4 four nine one forty at the combine, uh, measured in only at 6'3 and 244 pounds. If anything, this guy's going to end up being an H-back, you know, if he's ultimately going to make the roster. You know, I've already named off, you know, TJ Hawkinson and you have, Jesse James, and you have, uh, you know, Michael Roberts. So Nick Bodden's the fullback. Zach Zenner has also, you know, played some fullback as well. I think if Isaac Nott is going to, you know, make the roster, it's more than likely going to be as an H-back. And then the final pick, seventh round, P.J. Johnson, you know, a big physical guy there for Arizona. Played just one, um, one year with the Wildcats and uh, a guy who I thought could be disruptive. He's a, he's a space eater, takes up a lot of space, um, but you know, can get off the blocks and uh, make some plays there in the holes, uh, eight and a half tackles for loss and three sacks in just nine games, um, for the big defensive tackle. Um, you know, excellent size. He's, uh, Six four and three hundred thirty four pounds eats up a lot of space. Just has to watch watch his pad level uh, more than anything else. When you're talking about that uh, defensive tackle position, you got Ashawn Robinson, you have Damon Harrison, um, you know John Atkins. So PJ Johnson gonna probably fill out that rotation there at the defensive tackle position. Which brings us to the Green Bay Packers. Now Green Bay, I think they were expecting or wanting to get Devin Bush, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers traded up. And uh, 
ultimately snatched them away just a couple of picks before they had um, they were going there on the board. Um, you know, and, and I think they were also a team that was keeping an eye on on T.J. Hawkinson and what was going to happen there at the tight end position. You know, I thought offensive line could have been a direction that they went. Kind of a curious pick, though. They they end up they already signed Zadarius Smith, and and you have Mike Daniels, who I know is in the last year of his deal and will be a free agent at season's end. But uh, Rashawn Gary, you know, number twelve overall. You know, I had him right in the you know anywhere between eleven and, and twenty. So I, I guess from a value standpoint, it, it makes sense. But uh, you know, look, you know, for for them, I thought they had other needs. Um, you know, Rashawn Gary. Never lived up to the to the hype in terms of the the potential versus production. You know, as a sophomore reserve, fifty eight tackles, eleven and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. You're expecting him when he comes in as a junior to really break out and and be the star. When you turned on Michigan, Chase Winovich on the opposite side and Devin Bush, the inside linebacker, outplayed Rashawn Gary. Now, yes, he only played in nine games because he did have that shoulder injury, but uh, just 38 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Very concerning, um, you know, that he's he's someone who can get close, but does, it, you know just wasn't able to actually make a lot of the plays, and and that's something that you know was very you know worrisome for me. Six four, 277 pounds, uh, 34 and an eighth inch arm, so he has really good length. Ran a four five eight forty at the combine, thirty eight inch vertical leap, um, so he has the athleticism, and you see him in a lot of one on ones, able to dominate his man that he lines up over. Um, so I, I think when you look at at Darius, you know you have Mike Daniels, he fills out that rotation, and uh, you know it'll be interesting to see where where he ultimately lines up. Is he going to ultimately start? Um, you know, is Zadarius Smith possibly going to move to outside linebacker? You know, you already have Preston Smith and Kyler Fackrell out there. So, um, definitely a depth player right now, but a guy who, you know, if he can live up to the hype, you know, this could be a, a great pickup for, for them. You know, when you talk about the end, you know, Muhammad Wilkerson, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels all ended up on injured reserve. Wilkerson, you know, definitely unsigned and, uh, you know, I think it's something that at the end of the day, you know, this at least, you know, provides really good depth, as I was saying. Darnell Savage, you know, Green Bay trades up. You know, they had their second first round pick. They trade from 30 overall to 21st. Get Darnell Savage. You know, uh, Tramon Williams is 36 years old um, and could potentially be moving to corner. So they definitely had a need there at the safety position uh, opposite Adrian Amos who they brought in to play free safety. I think, you know, Josh Jones um, wasn't going to get it done. And I was expecting the Packers to address this. More than likely, I was expecting them to go in round number two, but I'm not not really surprised that they went with Darnell Savage. Ran a 4-3-6-40 at the Combine. Um, you know, a season ago, they took Jair Alexander in round number one, a sub 4-4-40 guy as well. So, you know, that speaks to what they want to do there in the secondary, get a lot of speed. Um, and Darnell Savage can do a little bit of everything. I think he can play over the top. He can play in the box as a down downhill defender. Um, you know, he's he's a versatile, versatile player and a guy that I think they can even, you know, he can be a hybrid linebacker when you need him to be. You know, not the tallest guy. He's just 5'11", 200 pounds, but uh, 182 tackles in his career, nine tackles for loss, including five and a half a season ago, eight uh, interceptions, including four last year, 13 
pass breakups, you know, and really I should mention those eight interceptions, two of which were returned for touchdowns and the 13 pass breakups. So you can do a little bit of everything on the back end of the defense. And I think you pair him with Adrian Amos and uh, Green Bay has definitely upgraded the safety position this year. So Green Bay, second round pick, they take Elton Jenkins, uh, the, the center out of Mississippi State now. Elton Jenkins is a guy for me, when I watch him play, you know, he, he's versatile. And I think that's why he, he was a second round pick. I had him going off the board late round two. So I'm not too surprised that he was taken by, by Green Bay, uh, um, you know, where they did. Uh, they already have Corey Lindsley playing the center position. So this is more of a, a value pick to where he can play a little bit, you know, all over the, uh, all over the line. Um, you know, he started five games at left tackle, two at left guard, one at right tackle before finishing his career, starting 25 of his last 26 games at the pivot. Um, I, I think he can, you know, he, that versatility, that's really what they need. Um, you know, if Lindsley's going to be the, the, center, you've got Lane Taylor who had a, a subpar, uh, you know, 20, 18, expecting him to bounce back in 2019. Billy Turner was signed to be the right guard. Um, you know, David Bakhtiari, one of the best left tackles in the game. Brian Balaga, his health, when healthy, he's one of the better tackles. But the question is, is how long is he going to be out there on the field? He's a free agent at the end of the year. So, um, you know, Elton Jenkins definitely provides some some depth to quite a few positions there for the Packers. Which then moves us to... Uh, the third round, and you know they needed to address the tight end position. You know, we, we you've you've got Jimmy Graham, uh, first year of his his three year thirty million dollar contract didn't go as planned. Just a couple of touchdowns, just one year removed from uh, you know a year where he had ten uh, touchdowns, double digit touchdowns, and uh, you know I, I think they needed to address that tight end position. I'm not, um, not. Uh, not upset with the fact that they, they they took you know waited till round three and took Jay Sternberger six four two fifty one, um, very athletic tight end a guy who started his career at Kansas ultimately went and played uh, you know in in Oklahoma uh, before transferring to Texas A and M for his junior season. And, uh, you know, 48 receptions, 832 yards, 17.3 yards per carry, 10 touchdowns. Uh, a guy who definitely can play in the in the slot more than anything else. He does, you know, have some experience playing in line as well. Really good route runner. A guy who can, can go up and, and attack the ball in the air. Um, not the best blocker, but, you know, he works hard at it. And, and someone who I think Green Bay really is going to be looking for a, a weapon that down the field for, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis was brought in. Mercedes can, can handle some of the blocking assignments. I think Jace, Jace Sternberger is going to be a guy that they're going to be lining up quite a bit there in the slot. Takes us to, to day three and uh, fifth round Kingsley Kiki to me, Kingsley Kiki, you know, is, is noted as a, as a defensive tackle, but I think he's going to end up being uh, a five technique in the league. He's 6'3", 288 pounds. You know, he's down about you know about 17 pounds, and you really saw that with some of his explosiveness. Um, you know, he 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 was someone who I think definitely surprised a lot of people um, with how quickly he was getting off the ball. I think that that drop in weight really did did wonders for him. Um, you know, he had more tackles for loss and sacks. Uh, in his senior season than he did in, in his first three years combined. 11 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. Showed some some good burst off the football. Uh, pretty good power as well. Um, you know, Kingsley 
34 and a half inch arms, ran a 49540 at the combine as well. So a guy who I think is is an ascending player. He's a guy that just continues to to get better and um you know, again, adding some depth there at the defensive end position um, could potentially play the the nose there, backing up Kenny Clark as well. Um, but I, I think when you've got Darius Smith, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Rashawn Gary, Kingsley Kiki, Dean Lowry, you know, that's a good rotation of guys up front. Um, you know, and uh, you know, Montrevious Adams uh, sitting in that that uh, that group as well. Um, I think those you know were some some pretty good moves overall for uh, for the Packers. Sixth round, Kadar Hallman there for uh, Toledo. Uh, Kadar Hallman, a guy that wasn't invited to the combine um, at the Toledo Pro Day, I think really you know made people take notice you know of him as an athlete. Uh, ran a four four forty, thirty eight and a half inch vertical leap. I think when you think of Kadar Hallman, you know for me, you know it, it's the ball skills. Uh, a, a guy who can definitely, he's an, a good athlete, can turn and run with guys, excellent hips, but a guy who knows how to attack the football while it's in the air. 27 ta- uh, pass breakups in his career. Uh, just two interceptions, though, one in each of his last two seasons. So I think if there's anything that's concerning, also not a guy who really comes downhill and makes a ton of tackles, um, you know, no tackles for loss or sacks in his career. So really a guy that was asked to play out an, uh, on an island for the Rockets more than anything else. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, he, he's a solid tackler and uh, a guy who's going to provide good effort. You know, when you talk Green Bay, you've got Kevin King, Jair Alexander, um, Josh Jackson as well. Uh, Traymon Williams may move to the cornerback position and then Kadar Hallman uh, could fill in that, that gap right there after that. So I, I think it's going to end up being a nice pick. Um, you know, a guy who I think is a, is a sleeper to ultimately, you know, make the roster. Dexter Williams, 5'11", 212-pound running back, taken in the sixth round. Very instinctive between the tackles runner, a guy who sees the cutback lanes and good burst, very quick acceleration, a guy who can run through contact. And uh, look, you know, Notre Dame's offense was different when he, you know, he served a four-game suspension. After that was done, 158 carries, 995 yards. This is a 6.3-yard per carry average, 12 touchdowns. Also had 16 receptions on the year. Um, you know, really wasn't much of a factor for the Irish until his senior season. But a guy who I think you know could develop into um, you know a back that uh, will push Aaron John Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams for playing time. Um, you know, I think some of the off-field issues dropped his draft stock into day three. Um, but a guy who I think you know again um, could end up seeing the field when it's all said and done. And then finally, the last pick um, was Ty Summers, an inside linebacker there out of TCU, 6'1", 241 pounds, you know, better athlete than I think a lot of people were giving him credit. Um, you know, went to the combine and uh, you know ran a four five one forty, thirty six inch vertical leap. You know, Ty Summers was one of my favorite players because this was a guy who played inside there for for the Horn Frogs in their four two five defense. Um, but as a senior, he was even asked to go, you know, play defensive end a little bit. And you saw that really suffer, you know, his numbers suffered a little, little bit, but very versatile and uh, a guy who was willing to do whatever he could to help the team out. As a sophomore, 121 tackles, you know, flew all over the field making plays in his career, you know, with, with TCU, 317 tackles, 22 and a half tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, two interceptions, nine pass breakups, including five as a junior uh, when he was playing the inside linebacker position. So to me, I look at him, he's going to add some additional speed there 
And, uh, you know, I think Ty Summers is going to challenge Oren Burks for that starting spot next to Blake Martinez. Blake's going to need some help. Uh, you know, he had 144 tackles a season ago, and, uh, you know, he's going to need some help there at, at uh, inside linebacker. So, um, you know, I thought that was a nice pickup there. One thing you didn't see in this draft was a receiver. You've got Don, uh, Devontae Adams there as as the guy setting uh, all kinds of uh, marks there for, for the Packers. They took three receivers in, in round number five a season ago, and that was Marquez Scantling, um, you know, Jamon Moore, and uh, Equinemia St. Brown. Now, I think St. Brown, Valdez Scantling, you know, they're going to get some playing time. Jamon Moore kind of falling off the radar a little bit. You, know, you have Jake Kumarau, um, you know, uh, Geronimo Allison. Um, you know, Alan Lazard, who was the uh, undrafted free agent. So you look at the receiver position, you know, you think, you know, maybe they could have found another guy that could, you could pair with Devontae Adams, a guy that potentially can play in the slot because you have a lot of these bigger receivers. But, you know, from the way it seems, uh, you know, Green Bay, you know, Matt LaFleur and company, Nathaniel Hackett there as the offensive coordinator, they're happy with the receivers that they have. And, uh, you know, we'll see if that pays off for them. So Houston. The Texans, you know, what's interesting was I actually had an offensive tackle penciled in here for the longest time. Um, And then the fact that they picked up Matt Khalil, something must have triggered in my head at some point to say, you know what? I I think this might be enough to allow Houston to look at a corner potentially in round number one, considering the fact that they lost Kareem Jackson. They lost... um, Kevin Johnson, they even lost Tyron Matthew there at the safety position. They brought in some help, um, you know, Bradley Ro- uh, Roby as, as the, the nickel, but I really thought that that was going to be a position of, of need, especially when they brought back uh, Chantrell Henderson at right tackle, and they also brought in, um, you know, Matt Khalil to work with uh, Julian Davenport. But at the end of the day, you've got to pr- protect your investment. And You've got Deshaun Watson already torn his ACL twice. You know, once in, in 2014 as a true freshman at Clemson and once as a rookie in 2017. You know, last year he was sacked 62 times, hit 126 times, more than any other quarterback, took so many hits that he even had to play through a, a bruised lung and injured ribs. So Houston, to me, I, I thought absolutely they were going to go ahead and, and take a uh, a tackle. What was surprising, though, was the ta- you know who it was. You know, because when I was looking at the tackle position, I thought, if anything, this was going to be an Andre Dillard selection. Uh, Dillard, more of a finesse guy. Uh, so they ultimately opt to go with with the more physical and, and powerful uh, kid out of Alabama State, Titus Howard. 6'5", 322 pounds, 50540 at the combine. You know, um, you know much... Um, much better uh, agility and quickness than I think a lot of people were expecting. Um, did very well against Auburn uh, when he played against them. You know, and I thought this was a guy who really held his own at uh, at the Senior Bowl. You saw him dominating a lot of the one on ones. Um, I just was expecting him to come off the board in round number two, but I can't really argue with them taking Titus Howard. Um, you know, especially if you're looking to try to add some of the physicality there to the offensive line. I think that's going to be a guy. Um, you know, Chantel, Chantrell Henderson hasn't been able to stay healthy. He may be the the right tackle of the future there for the Houston Texans. Now, round number two, they do address the cornerback position and a guy that, you know, I'm not as high on as a lot of other people. And that's uh, Lonnie Johnson Jr., uh, the cornerback out of Kentucky. Excellent length here, 6'2", 213 pounds. 
Um, yes, he has good strength to uh, disrupt receivers. You know, a guy who wants to um, redirect does a really good job there. Um, but you know, I, I question some of the ball skills. Yes, he, he's got the got tremendous size. You know, he, he decent um, in terms of uh, the speed. Ran a four five two forty at the combine, thirty eight inch vertical leap. So you know, excellent leaper. You know, a bigger guy. Um, they're at the cornerback position, but look, Lonnie Johnson, just nine pass breakups in his two seasons there at Kentucky and just one interception. So the ball skills to me, that's really what I worry about, you know? And, and so he was also the guy that, uh, gave up the game winning touchdown to DK Metcalf against Ole Miss. And, uh, ultimately, you know, a guy who's supposed to be this, this leaper, um, you know, ultimately, DK was able to pluck the ball over him. So definitely a guy who who needs to work on sharpening up those ball skills a little bit. Um, you know, I thought there were other corners on the board. Shoot, Amani Oruwariye would have been a guy that you could pencil in as as the starter right right away. I just question now whether or not Amani um, Johnson is going to be able to beat out Aaron Colvin for the uh, starting spot opposite Jonathan Joseph. You know, I think that'll remain to be seen there. Now. Moving on to the third round pick, 6'6", 327-pound Max Sharping out of uh, Northern Illinois. This was a guy, uh, one of my favorite offensive linemen in in the draft, regardless of of position, Um, a guy who I think uh, has starter potential at the next level. Um, I had him penciled in as my number seven offensive lineman and uh, valued him probably somewhere, I'm sorry, offensive tackle. And I, I think that really third round range makes a lot of sense. Uh, 53 games, you know, started there, all, all started all 53, uh, 998 snaps according to Pro Football Focus in, in 2018, uh, just gave up. Eight pressures on 469 pass snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. 92.2 pass blocking grade through the MAC championship game. Gave up a sack to A.J. Epinesa. His first sack since his first game in 2015. Um, no sacks or pressures given up to Brian Burns when they played Florida State. Um, you know, and the thing with with Sharping is, you know, is he a tackle or is he a guard at the next level? Um, I think he has the versatility to play both. He's been the left tackle there at Northern Illinois for the Huskies for quite a while, um, but I think he's a guy. Ultimately, you kick him inside the guard, and you'll be able to ultimately get rid of uh, uh, Senio Calamete. I think that's ultimately what would make the most sense. You know, so you could potentially end up with two brand new starters up front. Um, you know, if you're Houston, and this is a guy to me very technically sound. Um, you know, not the best athlete, but a guy who I think makes up for it with you know very nimble feet, moves very well. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing if he's going to move inside the guard, he's going to have to work on that lower body and that lower body strength. You know, he gets pushed back you know quite a bit. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he's a guy for me that uh, it, it should be a starter here sooner rather than later for Houston. Round number three, I'm sorry, Max Sharping was actually a second round pick. Um, round number three is Kahali Waring, uh, 22nd pick in the third round. And Kahali Waring, 6'5", 252 pounds, you know, really a developmental tight end, a guy who was barely over 200 pounds and uh, was a water polo player. Ultimately puts on 40 pounds and had a breakout year as a junior um, ultimately deciding to come out and enter, enter the draft. You know, someone who I think is still learning the position and is only going to get better, you know, um, as a junior for the Aztecs, even though the Aztecs, you know, known for, for their running game, they're under Rocky Long, uh, 31 receptions, 372 yards, three touchdowns, showed off 
at the the combine with you know the his hands showing the, an ability to track the ball very well um, and then just the athleticism you know ran a four six seven forty thirty six and a half inch vertical leap this is a guy to me when I look at Houston and we talk about you know that that tight end position CJ Fedorowicz you know had to retire uh, you've got you know Ryan Griffin Jordan Thomas Jordan Akins none of those guys really strike fear in, in opposing defenses I think if Kahali Waring continues to to develop he's going to end up being um, you know Deshaun Watson's go-to target um, you know if he's not looking for DeAndre Hopkins Kahali Waring definitely a, a guy to watch out for in the next coming years we move on to day three and Charles Omenahu out of Texas. You know, I think he probably fell a little bit. Another guy who's still developing as a as a um, a, a football player. But this is a guy um, when when he gets off the bus, he definitely passes the eye test more than anything else. He's 6'5", 280 pounds, uh, incredibly long arms, thirty six inch arms, um, and you know he was a guy who has always been a decent player there for the Longhorns, but really put everything together his senior season. Um, you know, 45 tackles, 18 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, um, ran just a 4.9240 at the combine, but he's really known for that quick first step. And I think that's one of the things that he uses, uses his length very well, gets his hands into the body to the, uh, of the offensive tackle, has a knack for converting that speed to power, driving the blocker back off the ball, uses that burst and length to, uh, get the edge on a speed rush, can clear the block, shoot into the, into the backfield, physical at the point of attack, uses his length to stack and shed blockers in a hurry against the run, can set the a really strong edge. Um, you know, you'll also see him, you know, extend that outside arm while still ex- engage with the with the blocker to drop the running back, trying to get to to hit the hole. Plays with maximum effort. You know, a guy that can get to the the sideline and uh, drop a receiver on a quick throw as well. So I, I really like Charles Omenahu. I'm looking at JJ Watt at one defensive end, TJ Reader. I'm sorry, DJ Reader at the other defensive end position. I think Charles Omenahu has a chance to be a starter there for Houston. Sixth round. Xavier Crawford, uh, cornerback. You know, I, I think you look at this. You know, this is more of a developmental guy. You know, again, you you've got Joseph, you've got Colvin, Roby at nickel. Now you brought in Lonnie Johnson. Uh, Johnson Batamosi is also there at the cornerback position. So Xavier Crawford is, is a guy doesn't have a ton of length. You know, in fact, he's got really short arms, twenty nine and an eighth inch arms. Did run a four four eight forty at the combine, thirty seven and a half inch vertical leap. Um, but, you know, a guy who I think is really going to have to work to make the roster. You know, those, those shorter arms, really concerning. Um, you know, a guy who's going to have to show that he can stick to guys like Glue. I think, you know, he was uh, said to be uh, six feet tall, but he actually measures in at five. Uh, I'm sorry, six one, ultimately measured in at five eleven. Um, you know, was at Oregon State, was a grad transfer. I'm sorry, Oregon State for for three years, ultimately transferred to uh, Central Michigan. Um, was a a, a four year junior and decided to come out and enter the draft. Um, you know, as a freshman there with the Beavers, you know, ten pass breakups and an interception. Um, you know, his final year at with the Chippewas, twelve pass breakups and an interception. So he shows off pretty decent ball skills. But, you know, the question is whether or not he can actually make plays on the football. Total of 24 pass breakups in his career. Um, you know, someone who has to really you know, provide some of that blanket coverage because he doesn't have those long arms. You know, he does have a 37 and a half inch vertical leap so he can go up and attack the football. I just don't know if he's going to be able to make the roster, you know, with all those corners that are sitting there. And then finally, 
uh, Colin Gillespie, you know, 6'1", 234 pounds, former walk-on. Uh, you know, he's played linebacker, moved to fullback. You know, this is a guy, to me, I look at this as being a special teams pick. You know, this is a guy from Texas. You know, they're playing at, at College Station. Houston ultimately going with uh, with the local guy, someone who I think could be a fullback, you know, in, in an offense. And, you know, they don't really have a guy who could have been the fullback previously. Um, but I think his niche is really going to be as a, as a special teams ace. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if people are talking about him as a possible Pro Bowl selection as a, a special teams player when, when uh, it's all said and done. Now, the Indianapolis Colts are next, and a lot of people very pleased with, with what Chris Ballard did. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I thought he did a tremendous job with the draft overall. Traded out of round one, ultimately picks up Rocky Sin as uh, the corner and I look at Rocky Sin, you know, you could probably play him in the nickel as as the nickel and have him start right away. You know, after Kenny Moore had a, had a breakout 2017, followed it up with a pretty solid 2018. Pierre Desir also had a, a breakout 2018. Quincy Wilson played well. I thought there were other needs that they could have addressed. I thought they could have gone up front, um, you know, find a uh, a quick pass rusher at defensive tackle because you've got Marcus Hunt and Nico Autry, but not really guys that are known for a quick first step. Um, you you could have also gone with a a, a wide receiver to play in the slot um, because you've got T.Y. Hilton and Devin Funches, but Rocky Sin's one of the best corners in this draft. Six foot, 192 pounds, um, could have been looked at to be a... Um, a first round pick, 12 pass breakups in his career, you know, a guy who, um, you know, can be physical, natural hands catcher, um, you know, and I think he does a good job tracking the ball, um, attacks the, the, the catch point very well. And, uh, a guy who, you know, can be in that press corner and a guy who, you know, just blanket coverage all over the place. Uh, now Ben Banigou, 6'4", 250 pounds taken in round number two, Ben Banigou, you know, there, there's a thing with him. You know, I think he's going to be a boomer bust type of guy because that's essentially what, what you saw there with uh, the Horn Frogs. Transferred from ULM, and uh, all he did at Texas A&M, or I'm sorry, Texas uh, Texas Christian TCU, uh, 34 and a half tackles for loss, 17 sacks, five forced fumbles uh, there for the Horn Frogs, but just 112 tackles, more of a situational pass rusher type of guy for me, um, really relies on his speed. Uh, you know, he's a speed rusher, first and foremost, absolutely. And that's going to be his game. You're going to have to line him up all over the place. You'll probably get him out in space and take advantage of the speed. But a guy who can get engulfed at the point of attack, you know, Kimuko uh, Ture you know, was, signed, uh, was brought in a season ago as a second round pick and, uh, you know, mixed results there from him. But a guy that they're really going to be relying on. Um, I think Taekwon Lewis, you know, really is, has, has played well for uh, the Colts, but a guy who I think, you know, can also be more physical at the point of attack. Um, you know, he's 6'3", 269, has a little bit more weight uh, to him. Ben Banigou, um, you know, I look at Justin Houston, and it really makes me wonder what they're going to be doing there. Um, it actually gives Matt Aberflus, um, you know quite a bit of versatility to have some of these guys. Um, but uh, again, Banigou, they needed they needed another pass rusher to team with Justin Houston. I just thought they could have gone in another direction. Paris Campbell, 6'4", 
taken at the end of round number two. Uh, the, the speedy receiver ran a 4-3-1-40 at the combine, a guy who can absolutely get vertical. It took him until his senior year to really put everything together, a guy who I thought let, you know, left too many passes out on the field with a lot of drops. Um, and look, you know, he may be a product of the system there at Ohio State, wasn't really asked to do much down the field. Most of his throws were actually within the within the first ten yards, and that allowed him to take advantage of his speed, um, you know, and uh, elusiveness in the open field. The question then really remains is, is what can he do, you know, in terms of the rest of the route tree? Or is this going to be a guy who's going to run a lot of gadget plays and run a lot of underneath throws? Uh, 90 receptions, over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns in his final year. But again, you look at his uh, yards per reception, just 12.4 for a guy that, that fast. Um, you know, it really makes you wonder, you know, about his skill set. Was it truly just a, um, you know, I think there at Ohio State that, you know, they were going to run him on all their underneath routes. Um, you know, it remains to be seen, you know, but they do need a, a slot receiver. And uh, I think this, you know, probably good value there at the end of round two. That's really where I had Paris Campbell coming off the board. I actually had him going to the Saints um, there at the end of round two. Round number three, you know, one of my favorite picks is Bobby Okariki. I think this is a guy who's going to ultimately challenge for a starting spot right away. Um, excellent length, tremendous length, you know, and um, Okariki, let's see, um, 34 and a half inch arms, you know, ran a four, five, eight, 40 at the combine, six, one, uh, 239 pounds, did a little bit of everything for the Stanford Cardinal in his, in his four seasons there, uh, under David Shaw, um, you know, Okariki, um, Let's see, 20 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, had an interception, eight pass breakups, uses his length to his advantage. A guy who uh, has tremendous range, can get sideline, you know, can be a sideline to sideline player. They took Darius Leonard a season ago. You saw how things worked out for them there. And I think this is going to be a, you know, I think Okariki is going to beat out Anthony Walker uh, for the starting spot in the middle. Akari Willis, you know, real big, powerful safety, 5'11, 213 pounds. I look at him. And uh, he's going to be someone that's going to challenge Clayton Gathers for that starting uh, that's starting strong safety spot. Um, you know, Derek Kindred's also there, um, but I think Kari Willis has a chance. You know, this was a guy who was a leader of the uh, Michigan State uh, Spartan defense. Um, you know, again, very intelligent player, playing on the back end, uh, instinctive. You know, runs pretty well. Um, not more, not really a center fielder per se, but you know, I, I think a guy that can still um, you know offer some pretty good. Um, you know, enough versatility, not only a guy who can play in the box, but can play, um, you can line up over tight ends. Back-to-back seasons with with over 70 tackles, uh, three interceptions in his career, 13 pass breakups, you know, does a little bit of everything. Um, doesn't always, you know, can't always match up with, with receivers, um, but, uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy who you play him close to the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, Clayton Gathers has a little bit more length but uh, this is a guy who I think you can play on the line of scrimmage a little bit more. Round number five, they stay at the safety position. This time they go with Marvell Tell out of USC. 6'2", 198 pounds, you know, very tall, long arms. Uh, you know, a guy who, you know, I, I think his tackling was really his biggest issue. 
more than anything else, you know, and that's really worrisome for the safety position. Um, I actually think that, you know, because of his cover skills and, and the ball skills, the length, um, you know, five interceptions, 13 pass breakups, I think he's somebody who you could potentially see transition to the corner position. Um, you know, you've got Pierre Desir and and and, uh, and Kenny Moore and Rocky Asin and Quincy Wilson, uh, but keep an eye on, on Nate Hairston and what happens there with him. I think there's a chance that you could see Marvell Tell potentially slide in as that final safety, or I'm, I'm sorry, as that final corner on the roster. Fifth round, EJ Speed out of Tarleton State. Don't really know much about the guy. Um, I know that he's very, uh, very quick. Uh, 6'4", 230 pounds. Um, you know, he's somebody for me. Um, I think he has some upside as a pass rusher from what I from what I've seen. But there's so so many guys there at that linebacker position. I think he's really going to have to work hard to make the roster. Probably going to end up having to be a, a special teams ace if he's going to make the roster. You know, I, I thought sixth round, uh, Gary Green, um, you know, 6'4", 252 pounds. Another guy who, you know, he was a surprise to me that he actually was invited to the combine. Um, I, I looked at him. He was running with the with the edge rushers, and I didn't really think of him as an edge rusher. I thought of him as more of a, you know, a, a traditional linebacker. Ran a 4'6", 340 at the combine, 35-inch vertical leap. So, you know, he shows, you know, some decent athleticism. But he was someone for me... Um, I, you know, he was just a guy. He wasn't really anyone that, that flashed too much for me. Did have 20 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, six pass breakups. Um, as a junior, 11 and a half tackles for loss and five sacks. Only played in eight games as a senior, seven tackles for loss and three and a half sacks. But, um, you know, I think he's another guy who's really going to have to work hard to make the roster more than likely going to end up being a, uh, more than likely probably going to end up being a special teams guy if he's going to make the roster. Jackson Bear, uh, Barton, 6'7", 310 pounds, the brother of Cody Barton, who also um, got drafted. Um, you know, his, his uh, brother actually was drafted on, on day number two. Uh, Jackson Barton drafted day three out of Utah. You know, I think he's got some good um, good power more than anything else. Um, you know, tall, left tackle, good length. Um, you know, I think he gets pushed back with a lot of the bull rushers. I think his, his game is all about speed and quickness. You look at that offensive line and it's set, you know, Anthony Costanzo, um, Braden Smith, at the tackles, I think Jackson Bar- uh, Barton is going to be battling Joe Haig, uh, LaRaven Clark, uh, for the backup spot there. And then finally last pick, uh, for the Colts in round number seven, uh, Javon Patterson, uh, the center out of, uh, out of Ole Miss, 6'3", 307, um, pretty good short area quickness. Um, you know, he, his game is all about quickness, and I think he was really got got pushed around a little bit. Has some versatility to play inside a guard, so he could be a guy that could really be a, um, you know, cover the entire uh, interior of that offensive line. But again, when you've got Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, and Mark Lewinsky, you're set in terms of the starters, but uh, Javon Patterson, uh, because of the versatility, could end up sticking on the roster as an interior backup. So the Colts didn't go defensive line in in the draft, and again, I was expecting them to at least find a, a tackle that they could end up plugging in there uh, to work with uh, Autry and, and Marcus Hunt. Um, so that was a bit of a surprise. But overall, a, a pretty solid draft for, for the Colts, I'm not going to lie. Uh, the Jaguars are up next, and I think the Jaguars 
might have gone TJ Hawkinson. They need a tight end desperately. Um, and they ultimately took took Josh Oliver in round number three. But, uh, you know, they when, you, when you've got Josh Allen falling into your lap, you know, 21 tackles for loss, 17 sacks um, as a senior, really put everything together. Um, you know, 6'5", 262 pounds, so explosive, uses his hands so well, um, excellent counter moves, a guy who can set the edge against the run, can drop into coverage. Um, I, I look at him, and I think Josh Allen is going to be, um, you know, he, he he may end up actually lining up at, at linebacker. You know, they've got, you know, Leon Jacobs out there. Um, he has that versatility. He can play end, he can play linebacker. Where do you play him? You know, you've got Telvin Smith, you got Miles Jack, you got Leon Jacobs. Josh Allen can play defensive end. Get him out there on the field with uh, Ngakwe and Calais Campbell. Now, Calais Campbell getting towards the end of his career. I think he can ultimately line up at, uh, at defensive end to pair with... Um, to pair with uh, Yannick Ngakwe, but get him out on the field right now. Play him at that outside linebacker position. Let him play in space and let him just go. Let him start teeing off on the quarterback. And uh, I think it's kind of a scary, scary deal when you're talking about these these uh, these edge rushers. You know, Yannick Ngakwe um, only under under contract through this this next season. Um, you know, he's he's last year of a four year three point four million dollar contract. So you know he's gonna be looking for uh for big money. So in the event he leaves as a free agent, you also have that backup plan there with Josh Allen. I thought this was great um in terms of you know what they did with their first three picks. Uh Jawan Taylor, they needed that right tackle, um something that we've been talking about for a while. Jeremy Parnell moved on. You've got Will Richardson. You've got Cedric Abwehi. But at the end of the day, Juwan Taylor is going to provide that, that physicality there at the right tackle position. Pair him with Cam Robinson. Really what the Jags are going to be looking to do with Leonard Fournette there in the backfield. Then, as I said, round number three, Josh Oliver out of San Jose State. Excellent pass-catching tight end. A guy who uh, can work in the slot, can work outside. Um, some burst to be a threat down the field. Um at the combine, ran a 4-6-3-40, 34-inch vertical leap, decent length in his arms there at the tight end position. Um, you know, the the highest drafted uh, San Jose Spartan since Tyler Irvin uh, was taken by Houston a couple of years ago. Um, Josh Oliver, you know, this past season really had a breakout year. 56 receptions, 709 yards, four touchdowns. Um, you know, again, Jacksonville, when you've got guys like Jeff Swaim and, and Ben Koyak as tight ends, yes, they're, they're really solid in, in as blocking backs. And, you know, that'll allow them to have that physicality there with Leonard Fournette running the football. But, uh, man, they needed a vertical threat for Nick Foles as a, as a tight end. And they were able to get that in round number three. Now, their second pick in round number three is, is Quincy Williams. If the name sounds familiar, Williams... Um, his he's actually the brother of of Quinn and Williams the the Alabama nose guard Uh, 5'10 239 pounds can be a safety or a linebacker Um, big hitter Um, you know I think he's got some some tightness in in space a little bit so it's going to be a question of where they're going to line him up Um, is he going to be a linebacker is he going to be a a safety Um, you know I thought it was a little early to take him but uh at the end of the day, he's got some pretty good bloodlines, and so it'll be interesting to see how he works um, there at the next level. Um, day three pick, 
Reichwell Armstead. Look, you know, the Jags lost TJ Yeldon. They've got, you know, Leonard Fournette as their as their bell cow. Uh, Alfred Blue, Thomas Rawls, Benny Cunningham as backups, um, all guys who have experience in the league. But, uh, you know, Reichwell Armstead is a guy for me that, you know, I've been kind of talking up a little bit. You know, a guy who, you know, is has good size at the position. He's uh, you know, 5'11", 220 pounds, and still ran a 4'4", 540 at the combine. Um, not the most explosive guy, I would say, necessarily. Decent, good, you know, um, speed, uh, vertical speed. Um over 2,800 yards in his career, um, 1,098 as a, as a senior in just 10 games, uh, 13 touchdowns on the year as well, 29 receptions as a receiver. Um, you know, to me, I think you know Raquel Armstead has a chance to be um, to be the bat- ultimate backup there for for Leonard Fournette. I think he's a guy who has has the good size, can can really hit the hole well and, and get downhill. Um, you know, but he's, he's one of those guys to where, you know, I think he's a little overly aggressive at times and, uh, is going to have to kind of dial things back just a little bit. I think he left some yards out there with some of his runs quarterback position. Well, you got Nick Foles in there. So in the sixth round, they're going to look for a potential backup for him and they take Gardner Minshew. Now Gardner Minshew is a guy who not, not the best athlete in the world, you know, by any means, but uh, 6'2", 220 pounds, and a guy who started his career at East, East Carolina and, uh, you know, really, you know, a 57% passer, uh, 3,400 yards, 12 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, um, you know, was going to Alabama to be like their third, uh, third quarterback and probably a, a grad assistant uh, coach. Ultimately, transfers to Washington State, had the opportunity to, to be the starter there, uh, completed over 70% of his passes, over 4,700 yards, 38 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Uh, again, a guy who's not going to wow you with his arm, but uh, you know is a pretty good game manager. Uh, finished fifth in the Heisman voting as well because Washington State um, it took them to places that uh, you know we haven't seen for, out of Washington State in, in the Palouse in, in quite a while. Um, you know, I, I think he can definitely deliver the ball uh, with different arm angles. You know, quick release, understands coverages. You have to have really quick eyes in, in Mike Leach's um, you know offense, and uh, so he goes through his progressions in a hurry, knows where to go with the football, and that intelligence I think is has a chance to, to ultimately have him be the backup there in Jacksonville. And then finally in round number seven, Dontavious Russell, 6'3", 319 pounds, much better run defender than he is uh, against the pass. Um, a guy who I think is very stout at the point of attack. Um, you know, just 17 tackles for loss, six sacks in his career, never had more than three sacks in a season, and that was his, his junior year. Um, ran a 5-1-5-40 at the Combine. Um, you know, again, a guy who I think when you talk about Auburn and their defense, you had Derek Brown, who was their quick penetrator and a guy who could manhandle his guy at the point of attack. And I think, you know, what Dontavious Russell was really good at was holding the point and, uh, you know, taking up space. He's going to be that run defender and, uh, Jacksonville, we haven't talked about the defensive tackle position yet for them. Uh, Avery Tom, or I'm sorry, Avery Jones, Marcel Darius there at uh, the defensive tackle positions. Then you have, uh, you know, Taven Bryan. I think Dontavious Russell could potentially fit in at the nose there uh, behind Avery Jones. So that's Jacksonville. We've gotten through them. Let's take a look. Who do we have next? If you're going alphabetically, it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Kansas City ultimately traded out of the first round. Uh, you know, a lot of 
speculation and things going on with what's going to happen with Tyreek Hill. Obviously, they had the um, the recordings announced, you know, released, uh, and you know, all the issues off the field, the the, the child abuse and everything. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill, you know, on the suspended list. So they needed to find a replacement. And what do they do? They ultimately go and, and find a guy who is virtually identical to what he does, you know, and, and Mecole Hardman. Um, you know, Mecole, you know, he was you know, 5'10", 187 pounds, ran a 4'3", at the combine. But the difference between him and, and Tyree Kill is Tyree Kill was a known commodity as a receiver uh, and, and also in the return game. I think Mikko Harmon is, is a guy who uh, is very explosive in the return game, but wasn't really established as a receiver. Um, you know, he 15.2 um, yards per, per punt uh, return and turn, including 20.1 um, on, on his 16 punt returns as a junior, uh, scored a touchdown, and, uh, you know, had, had 35 kick returns under his belt as well. Uh, a guy who's very elusive in the open field has the speed, but I think he he still is developing as a receiver. Um, in, in his two seasons, um, where he caught you know caught the football, um, you know just sixty receptions, nine hundred and sixty one yards, eleven touchdowns, also thirteen carries for ninety seven yards and two touchdowns. To me, he's kind of a gadget gadget and gimmick player. Um, taken with a twenty fourth pick in, in the second round. Um, I just I I think there are a lot of better receivers that were out there. I mean, for goodness sakes, you had a guy like Hakeem Butler who lasted all the way to the fourth round. Um, so, it, very cu- curious pick there in round number two. I think they're really looking to find a guy that's going to replace Tyree Kill. So, it, in that respect, I guess they did that with with Michael Hardman. Now, their second second round pick. I'm I'm a huge fan of Juan Thornhill. I think Juan Thornhill is a guy who's going to come in and probably start right away. Um, opposite um, Tyron Matthew, you know, who, who's been brought in to uh, to play one of the safety positions. I think Juan Thornhill, you know, he's going to battle Jordan Lucas, Daniel Sorensen to play the other safety. I think Juan Thornhill is going to win that. But at the same time, he has the versatility. He's played both corner and safety, uh, has excellent ball skills. Um, you know, they've got Bashad Breland. They've got Travarius Ward, uh, Kendall Fuller. There at the at the cornerback position, I think that Juan Thornhill could potentially be a corner and pr- could probably start at, at one of the cornerback positions when it's all said and done. Um, you know, 13 interceptions in his career, including six as a senior, uh, 26 pass breakups as well. Um, you know, a guy who you know can also play in the box, can can shoot gaps, you know, pretty well. You know, 12 tackles for loss in his career. Um, I, I look at Kansas City and. I'm really surprised that they, they didn't try to, you know, if they traded out around round number one, you know, obviously by getting, well, they, they traded away, I should say, the their first round pick because they took Frank Clark. So, you know, their first pick was in in round number two. But I'm looking at Kansas City and I'm looking at the, at the, uh, the secondary and nobody there in the secondary really strikes fear in opposing offenses. You know, this is something, when you talk about Kansas City, you talk about their past defense, uh, among the worst in the league. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they were not able to stop Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game there in that overtime. You know, and when they, they played against the Rams, 
ultimately what ended up happening, they weren't able to stop Jared Goff in that in a passing offense either. You know, they're th- ranked 31st in the league in, in uh, pass defense, 273.4 yards per game. Huge concern. Yes, you brought in Steve Spagnuolo, who's taken over the, the reins as a defensive coordinator from Bob Sutton, but they, they could have done more you know, at the, at the cornerback position early on. Um, so, you know, Juan Thornhill though, I think is definitely a guy who can, couldn't, can address that position. Um, you know, re, re big reason why I'm talking about the corner is they didn't address that corner position until round six, Rashad Fenton. Um, you know, a guy who's, you know, he's, he's deep, he's, he's okay. I think he's a guy who can play, you know, in the slot, um, can play at safety potentially, um, but not really a guy that will wow you in any any one area. 5'11", 193 pounds, ran a 4'5", 240 at the combine. Um, so again, just average average speed there for the corner position. And um, you know, let me pull up his his stats here. You know, you waited to get a true corner until the sixth round, and that's really the biggest head scratcher for me. Um, you know, five. Uh, interceptions in his career, including three as a senior, 19 pass breakups overall. Um, but again, I, I just looked at him as 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 just a guy. You know, I, I didn't see him as a, as a guy that was going to be a, a big playmaker out there, not a guy who's going to be a, a much of a factor in the running game. Um, just five tackles for loss and a half a sack to his credit in, in his career. Um, you know, not a not a sure tackler out there either. Um, so that was kind of curious that they they waited that long to take a corner, and then when they do, they take a cornerback who's you know going to probably have to to work hard to ultimately make the roster. But that said, man, I loved their third round pick, Colin Saunders. Colin Saunders is a guy to me that is you know I had him coming off the board in round two, and uh, that's exactly where you know, he actually went. Went off the board in round three. Um, excellent value at that point. You're looking up front. You got Chris Jones and, and Derek Noddy because they are converting to that 4-3 Steve Spagnuolo defense. Colin Saunders is going to fit in very well and probably be that number three defensive tackle. You know, Maybe if you move Chris Jones outside to end, you know, they've got Alex Okafor, Emmanuel Ogba out there uh, playing opposite uh, Frank Clark. Breland Speaks as well. Um, you know, I, I think Colin Saunders, though, is, is a guy who has to get out on the football field. Um, you know, I, I think definitely a, a tremendous athlete. You know, didn't get to see him play much at, at Western Illinois, but really I love the story, you know, watching him play there at, uh, um, you know, the East-West Shrine game and then at the Senior Bowl. Um, and, and a guy who just always seemed to be winning in, in the one-on-ones, a guy who showed exceptional speed, a guy who could shoot into the backfield and make plays. Um, I'm trying to pull up his numbers here because you know he, he's someone that definitely is going to be wreaking havoc coming off the edge. Um, I'm sorry, not off the edge, but a guy who can um, – really shoot gaps up the, up the middle, um, you know, 501 40 at the combine bench press, uh, 225, 27 times, um, dominated the FCS, uh, level. Like I said, living in opposing backfields, finished his career with 35, 34 and a half tackles for loss, 18 sacks, including 14 in the last two seasons. Um, you know, very active, finished his career with uh, 204 tackles, had a knack for finding the ball, six pass breakups, four forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries in his career with the Leathernecks. 
I think he's a guy who ultimately is going to see a lot of action on the field and a guy who's going to be very productive for the Chiefs. So the running back position, you know, another area of need, I think, for the Chiefs, and they waited until uh, round six, at the end of round six, to address it. You have Damian Williams and Carlos Hyde, uh, Daryl Williams out of LSU. Uh, They take Darwin Thompson out of Utah State, a guy who... um, you know, came out after his junior season and uh, really a, a guy who I thought should have come back uh, to the Aggies um, in his one year with uh, with Utah State. 153 carries, um, you know, 1,044 yards, which is a 6.8 average, 14 touchdowns, 23 receptions uh, as well. You know, a guy who I think um, has the ability, you know, probably going to be a guy who's going to be used primarily in the in the passing game. I like I like the pick from the standpoint of you know I, I think he's underrated I think Darwin Thompson is, is someone he wasn't invited to the combine carrying that chip on his shoulder um, and, and really when you look at their running backs they don't have a guy like him they don't have a smallish back you know five eight one hundred ninety eight pounds um, who can get things done in the passing game I, I look at Tariq Cohen and what he's meant to the Bears I liken that you know Darwin Thompson you know to uh, you know to that and I think there's a chance that he could end up sticking on the roster. And then Nick Allegretti uh, out of Illinois, 6'4", 310 pounds. This is a guy who's very versatile, interior lineman, can play it at guard or center. Austin Ryder sitting there at the center position right now. Um, I think Allegretti could potentially challenge for that center uh, position when it's all said and done. Um, just a guy who can line up all over the, the interior of the line there for the Chiefs. So overall, there are some picks that I liked of the Chiefs, but you know Hardman there in round two, uh, waiting for a cornerback until round number six, you know, uh, questionable um, but Thornhill Saunders Thompson you know really like those picks which takes us to Los Angeles City of Angels and the Chargers still weird to to call them the LA Chargers I know but uh, you know a, a team who under Anthony Lynn really really performed well a season ago and uh you know, really, this que- the question was going to be: Do they take a, a tackle, or you know, uh, an offensive tackle or a defensive tackle? And that was really the big question mark. And at the end of the day, they go with Jerry Tillery. Uh, this is a guy that I actually had penciled into the Chargers for a while before I finally I looked at that that right tackle position, and that's really what what bothered me more than anything else. And and, and here's why: you know, I, I think I should explain why I thought the the Chargers were going to go with uh, a tackle in round number two. Um, and it's essentially Sam Tevy, pro football focus noted, you know, this was a six round pick from a season ago. Sam Tevy, um, let's see, gave up 41 hurries, 12 hits, eight sacks on 483 pass blocking snaps and uh, pro football focus, you know, noted that they also noted that his overall pass blocking efficiency score of 92.9 was third worst in the NFL, um, offensive line also gave up pressures on 31.8% of their passes, uh, which is good for 19th in the league. And, you know, you look at the, at their offensive line and, you know, you can look at, um, you know, Ro- Russell Okung there at left tackle, Mike Pouncey at center. Um, but you know, the health of Forrest Lamp has been questionable. Um, you know, is he ever going to get back to where he, you know, um, where he was coming out of uh, Western Kentucky a few years ago. Um, you know, Dan Feeney is underachieved at left guard. Michael Schofield has been solid at right guard. Um, you know, so they waited 
and ultimately picked up a guy by the name of Trey Pipkins, um, you know, out of Sioux Falls there in round number three. Now Trey Pipkins is a guy six six three oh nine. Um, you know, he, he's one of those guys. I thought that this was a, a big reach. Uh, played well at the East West Shrine game, but you know the a jump in competition. Um, you know, he's a decent athlete, but again, I thought he could have been available on day three. So taking him there in round number three was really a big question mark. But what they did do um, was address that defensive tackle position. No longer do you have uh, uh, Corey Leggett on the roster, uh, Damian Square also gone. So you really you were dealing with you know, Brandon Meebane and uh, and Justin Jones. Now Brandon Meebane was re-signed, um, re-signed to a two-year deal in the offseason. He did miss uh, four games you know, a season ago, only played a, a full season once in the last five years. So his health is a major concern. Uh, Justin Jones, um, you know, the second year pro out of NC State showed that he he can you know, flash a little bit. Um, so I thought, you know, Jerry Tillery or Draymond Jones made a lot of sense here. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, it was Jerry Tillery. And, and Jerry Tillery is a guy is he's very interesting. He's very much a renaissance man, a guy who, you know, um, you know, can speak Japanese. Um, you know, and if you follow him on social media, you know, is uh, really a world's you know, world traveler, um, you know, a guy who, you know, just super intelligent, super smart. Um, and, you know, if you look at his stats in his first three seasons, he just had, um, you know, 14 and a half tackles for loss and, and five and a half sacks as a senior 19 or nine, nine and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks, including four against, uh, against Stanford really beat up Nate Herbig quite a bit. Um, you know, big physical guy, um, you know, a guy who, if he can play with the low pad level can really be a force coming, uh, you know, shooting some of the gaps, six, six, 295 pounds, ran a four, nine, three forty, um, excellent length. you know, again, with this, with his arms, um, he disappears at times, you know, when he really wants to fire on all cylinders, he looks like he could be a top 10, top 15 pick. But he also disappears. So the question is: Is can the Chargers really get him to play? You know, play in and play out. If they do, they've really got a player on their hands. I also like what the Chargers did in round number two, getting Nasir Adderley. Now, Nasir Adderley is a ball hawk. You know, and I think that's really you know he's the definition of of a ball hawk. Um, and you know, I, I think what's really going to be nice you know, when you look at that secondary is you put him next to. Uh, Derwin James, and I think you really have something on the back end of that defense. Um, now, Nasir Adderley played at Delaware, and uh, you know, six foot, two hundred and six pounds. Pro Football Focus had him, you know, eighty ninth, eighty nine point nine in uh, in coverage. Um, so one of the best safeties, you know, um, on Pro Football Focus's rankings. But uh, you know, Adderley, the name should sound familiar, um, related to Herb Adderley. Um, I believe that's his uncle. Um, let's see. When you talk about Adderley, you know, again, ball hawk, 11 interceptions, 12 pass breakups in his four seasons. Um, you know, a guy who can play center field, excellent range, um, shows his ability to attack the football while it's in the air, um, can high point the football. Um, the biggest thing I think for him, you know, again, a downhill guy delivers a big hit, but, uh, Playing at the FCS level, he was able to take advantage of his athleticism, and he's somebody who, you know, when he was playing against better competition, teams were able to exploit that. You know, able to bite on on a lot of uh, a lot of fakes, 
And so that's something that I think the Chargers are going to have to work with. But the ball skills are evident, and uh, I think he could be a, a starter right away. Round number four, Drew Tranquil. 6'2", 234 pounds. This guy's a converted converted safety. And so when I look at, at their roster, they've got um, Jatavis Brown. They've got uh, Thomas Davis, who they signed away from, from Carolina. Um, at, at outside linebacker, they've got Denzel Perryman in the middle. Now, Drew Tranquil, you know, I, I think, has the ability, you know, well, Uchenna Nwosu is another guy there at defensive, uh, at, at outside linebacker. Um, you know, I think Drew Tranquil could play inside, he could play outside. You know, really, you know, if if the, the Chargers, if the Bolts are going to be playing a 3-4, then you've got, you know, Bosa at playing an end. You've got Ingram and Davis or Ingram and Nwosu there. Um, at outside linebacker, Jatavis Brown can play outside or inside. Same thing with Drew Tranquil. You know, he can also be that hybrid safety position. A guy who plays very well around the line of scrimmage, an intelligent player. Um, and someone to me, when I look at at, at Drew Tranquil, he just, he, the, the, the instincts are, are there. And, you know, he, I think he was known as the guy who celebrated in the end zone and uh, tore, his, tore his knee. Um, I believe that was his freshman season. But, uh, you know, in his final two years, really, you know, moved to that linebacker position and, uh, you know, over the course of those, those last two seasons, back to back 85 plus tackle seasons, 19 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, an interception, seven pass breakups, uh, a fumble, a forced fumble and three, uh, I'm sorry, four fumble recoveries. You know, a guy who plays all over the field, plays hard and a reliable tackler, plays well in space. I think he matches up well in, in tight ends. Um, so I, I think, you know, really his biggest thing is, is working on getting off blocks, but if he, he can do that, I think he can be uh, a pretty solid pro when it's all said and done. So if the chargers need to find, you know, an eventual replacement for, for Phillip rivers right now, they've got Tyrod Taylor. That's going to be the backup. So they, they were able to invest in a guy like Easton stick six, one, 224 pounds. Um, the winningest quarterback there in FCS history, um, but look, Philip Rivers coming off his tenth year with with over four thousand yards passing, and twenty five touchdowns. You know he's just the guy that just continues to make plays, and uh, just a dominant, dominant quarterback. Um, you know at the, at, you know to me, I, I look at Philip Rivers and he's a, a no brainer Hall of Famer. Um, when it's all said and done, you know you'd love to see the Chargers you know win a little bit more in the postseason, um, and I think that's really going to be the biggest thing that's going to be hitting his. Uh, his argument there for the hall, but uh, Easton Stick, let's get back to him. Sixty-one uh, percent uh, career completion percentage, um, over just under eighty-seven hundred yards passing, eighty-eight touchdowns to just twenty-eight interceptions. Never threw more than nine in a season. That was his sophomore year. Um, also, um, very good on his feet. Um, you know, four hundred twenty-seven carries. Over 2,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, 5.9 yards per carry. Um, you know, a guy, you know, he ran a 4.6240 at the combine, very athletic. A guy who I think could be a developmental guy. You know, they, they don't need to really rush him along. You know, he's got a lot of those guys that, uh, um, you know, again, with Rivers and uh, Tyrod Taylor, some guys that he can learn from. Now, Mecca Boule uh, out of Houston, 6'2", 245 pounds, to, uh, taken in, in uh, the sixth round. Can be an outside linebacker rushing the passer. Uh, also going to be a guy who's going to be a, a factor in the um, on special teams, absolutely. Um, you know, But 
I, I don't know if he's going to make the team, to be perfectly honest. You know, I, I look at it, he's going to really have to fight hard, really going to have to show out on special teams. Um, you know, 13 tackles for loss, five sacks, you know, five pass breakups, seven fumble recoveries, uh, two of which, uh, you know, were, were touchdowns. But uh, a guy who, you know, he'd flash but never actually made plays. And, and that's one of the things that really worries me about him is, you know, he's going to have to really show out well um, at the, you know, in, in special teams, if he's going to make the roster. And I just don't know, um, you know, that he's going to be able to do that. Now, the, the last pick there for the Chargers in, in the seventh round, 28th pick of the uh, the seventh round is Cortez Broughton, 6'2", 293 pounds, um, little on the undersized, you know, little undersized, but, you know, to me, I, I look at, at Cortez Broughton, he got the snub there at the combine, would have loved for people to see this guy, uh, I'm a big, big fan of his, um, when he was there with the Cincinnati Bearcats, um, you know, a guy who really didn't put everything together until the senior season, I look at him, and, you know, remember King, Kingsley Kiki, and we are talking about some of his numbers, check these out, 52 tackles, 18 and a half tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, everyone had been talking about Marquise Copeland, uh, the guy that uh, played next to him, but uh, you know, really, uh, Broughton was the guy that was you know showed off you know really quick first step. A guy who kept shooting into the backfield, making plays behind the line of scrimmage, uh, offered up you know some as a pass rusher as well. So when you're talking about that defensive tackle position, Cortez Broughton not as explosive as Jerry Tillery, but I'm looking at him and I think Cortez Broughton has a chance to battle with with Justin Jones. You know, I think at the end of the day, he's going to end up being a guy that's going to make the roster, you know, battle Justin Jones, T.Y. McGill uh, to get some playing time. But a guy to me, even if he doesn't stick with the Chargers, I think he belongs in the league because I think he's a pretty darn good player when, uh, you know, and, and I'm excited to see what he can do at the next level. The Rams. So the Rams, see, it seemed like they just kept trading and trading and trading and trading back. And every time the Rams would be on the clock, they traded back again. You're wondering, all right, well, when are they going to actually make a pick? And, uh, you know, lo and behold, they finally do it in, uh, in round number two. And, you know, what's really weird is you're expecting them to go outside linebacker, and they didn't until the seventh round when they took Dakota Allen. Um, you know, I think they needed some help at outside linebacker as well. You didn't see them go there at all. Um, but, uh, you know, Taylor Rapp was brought in. Ultimately, they've got Eric Weddle on a two-year deal. Uh, John Johnson's there at uh, at strong safety. But Taylor Rapp's a guy who can line up all over the field. He can play at uh, you know play at that hybrid linebacker position. So maybe that's what they're going to do. They're going to move him. You know, have him play inside a little bit. You've got Corey Littleton, Clay Matthews is on the roster as well, uh, playing inside backer. But maybe uh, Taylor Rapp is a guy that you can also throw in there as a. Uh, hybrid linebacker he can play along up along the line of scrimmage um, he can also play back as a as a center fielder a little bit as well can cover tight ends in coverage one of the better blitzers uh, in the pac 12 very intelligent puts himself in a position to make plays um, you know not only does he come down under control when he when he's uh, making a play on the football but he comes with bad intentions really looking to to deliver a big hit um, Better athlete than I think a lot of people were giving him. Ran a 3.99 uh, short shuttle, which was fastest among safeties at the Combine since 2016. Uh, intelligent player. I think this is a, a long-term pick for Sean McVay and, and Les Snead. Second pick, um, 
for them coming it was a six pick in round number three they they traded up to get him and uh, that's daryl henderson daryl henderson to me is a legit uh speedster there on the outside all he needs is a crease and this guy can get vertical and go the distance you know five nine 200 pounds was 10th in the heisman this past year uh 214 carries over 1900 yards an 8.9 yard per carry average 22 touchdowns has 63 receptions in his career and eight touchdowns as well you know todd Gurley has that arthritic knee and and what's really going to happen there a lot of talk about you know well what's what's, what is going to happen with him um you know the thing that i like about uh, Daryl Henderson is he does a really good job. He's patient, follows his blockers very well, excellent vision. And then, you know, once he sees that hole and he's, he's going to hit that hole in a hurry. Um, you know, I think he runs with, uh, with a pretty good low, low pad level, um, you know, able to really weave his way through his blocks. And then once he gets out to the outside, um, has that second gear, ran a four, four, nine forty at the combine, um, you know, five, eight, two Oh eight, um, I'm looking forward to see what he can do there in that Rams offense. Uh, another really good pick uh, in round number three, uh, the second of three third-round picks, David Long, the corner out of Michigan, um, another guy who was among my favorite cornerbacks. Um, and really, the, I think he was one of the more frustrating cornerbacks you know, as well because he, he's so gifted athletically that he didn't need to to do you know to get his handsy and I don't know if it was one of those things you know because Lavert Hill also did the exact same thing um, I don't know if that's something that you know is just indicative of of Michigan uh, corners or not but you know he according to Pro Football Focus allowed the the lowest reception rate just 18 receptions on 595 snaps uh, which is 29 percent four four five forty at the combine 39 and a half inch vertical leap. Three interceptions in his two years there at Michigan, 12 pass breakups. Um, teams didn't really want to throw his way because, um, you know, very uh, tight coverage, you know, very fluid hips, a guy who can turn and run. Um, you know, corner wasn't really a, a huge need for the Rams. Again, you know, I, I don't know that there was a guy that they could have taken at inside linebacker in round three anyway. Um, but this is a guy, you know, Marcus Marcus Peters, Aqib Talib, when Talib was out, um, they really struggled at the cornerback position. You know, Nikel Roby Coleman made some big plays for them. Um, you know, Troy Hill, I think David Long is going to come in and be that third corner um, for them. And, you know, so again, I thought that was a nice pickup. Bobby Evans, uh, the 6'4", 312-pound um, offensive tackle there for the Sooners. Um, Andrew Whitworth is still playing. He's 37 years of age, uh, signed a one-year deal, but they're going to need to replace him at some point. So Bobby Evans is going to be a guy that I think um, could potentially be that heir apparent. You know, I, I don't know. He's going to definitely provide depth at, you know, at the position, but I think he's going to be that eventual replacement. And uh, someone who, look, he, he's blocked for for the last two Heisman Trophy winners. Um, so I, I think there's there's that. And uh, he has experience playing both on the left and right sides. Um, I had him as my number 12 offensive tackle. Uh, third, fourth round range I thought was really good value for him. Um, he's he's better at right tackle. I think he lacks some of that foot speed uh, to really be the left tackle. Um, but you have Rob Havenstein over there on the right side. So they're really going to have to work on uh, the footwork with him. Gave up 20 pressures on 441 pass snaps in 2018, according to Pro Football Focus, when he moved to left tackle after Orlando Brown Jr. Um, left for the NFL. Round four uh, to kick off the, their first pick on day three, Greg Gaines, the Tasmanian Devil, as uh, 
Je- uh, David Jeremiah called him, you know, a guy who I think can end up being that nose tackle when it's all said and done. Um, you know, he's a, a pretty good athlete for a guy inside. Um, you know, 6'1", 312 pounds, ran a 5'1", 640 at the combine, bench press 225, 30 times. Um, you know, he's a guy who's very stout at the point of attack, um, very strong, um, you know, the, you know, but also has a pretty quick burst. And a guy who can get outside and chase down balls from the, um, you know, chase down running uh, running backs, uh, 21 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, very active. I think that's one of the things that you can say about him is, is that he can get outside, he can shoot gaps on the inside, can be a space eater when you need him to be. Um, a guy who just doesn't stay blocked, always working. You know, he's not going to out, you're not going to outwork Greg Gaines there on the inside of the of the line. Uh, in round five, they took David Edwards. You know, another Wisconsin uh, tackle um, has a, you know the, the right size. Um, you know, a 6'6", 308 pounds, uh, converted tight end, a guy who I think, you know, has has the foot speed to keep guys in front of him, but gets knocked back um, easily by um, the, the the bull rushers, the more power rushers. Um, just 33 and 3 eighths inch arms uh, as well. So that's, you know, definitely concerning. Ran a 5 to 8 40 at the combine. Um, so not one of the more explosive uh guys there on the outside but again he's one of those guys who i think has enough uh, lateral uh, lateral quickness um to be effective in the passing game but he's going to be a run uh, a guy in the running game you know they, they took rob havenstein a couple of years ago they really like what they have with him um because he's one of the better right tackles in the league in my opinion so i think david edwards nice value to be a, a backup for him there seventh round they take nick scott out of out of Penn State, um, you know, five eleven, two hundred and one pounds. Um, you know, a, a guy who, you know, was a veteran safety there for the for the Nittany Lions. Um, but uh, you know, again, you know, I think he's a guy who's probably going to provide depth. Probably going to be a guy, a, a special teams guy. Um, you know, three interceptions, just two pass pass breakups. You know, not really a guy who made an impact. There, you know, he was a guy that was always out there, but again, just a guy, uh, in my opinion. You know, I thought maybe you could have gone in a, in a few other directions. Um, you know, I think he's going to have a hard time making the roster. And then finally, the last pick that the Rams had in the seventh round, uh, Dakota Allen out of Texas Tech. Yes, this is a guy who uh, was featured on Last Chance U. Um, you know, there at, at Texas Tech. Um, 6'1", 232 pounds, ran a 4'7", 740 at the combine. Um, I, I think he's a you know a better than average athlete, um, someone who you know again you know he's he's undersized, but very instinctive. You know I think he excels in the running game, coming downhill, shooting gaps. Um, you know 249 tackles in in three seasons there with the Red Raiders. Uh, didn't play in in 2016. Um, you know, had 101 tackles as a junior, kind of took a step back in terms of his production as a senior, played in just 10 games, bothered by some injuries, uh, 61 tackles, five and a half for loss, um, in those 10 games, you know, had a total of 17 and a half tackles for loss in his career, four interceptions, seven pass breakups as well. Um, three fumble recoveries, one of which was returned for a touchdown. Um, you know, was a veteran leader there for the Red Raiders, but you know, I also thought that he wasn't the best inside linebacker on the team. Um, I thought Jordan Brooks was was really the best inside backer there at Tech. 
Um, but a guy who can drop into coverage a little bit, you know, has some skills, um, you know, has some ball skills as well. Um, I, I think he'll make the roster. I think he'll be a special teams guy. Um, but look, you know, when you're talking about inside linebackers, there just aren't very many guys, many options there for the Rams. And the Rams were exploited, you know, in, in the middle of their defense, especially, you know, against the Patriots. You know, the Saints did the same. Um, you know, really, Corey Littleton, Mark Barron was exposed. Mark Barron's no longer on the roster. Clay Matthews, hoping to re, you know, resurrect his career, playing in the Coliseum where he played his college you know, uh, college games there for the Trojans. Micah Kaiser really needs to step up at inside backer, and, and Dakota Allen's going to push him all for playing time. Um, you know, I, I thought they could have gone inside backer a lot sooner. Um, I, I really was expecting, you know, maybe Bobby Okariki would have been a nice pick here. Um, but uh, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, the Rams addressed most of their needs. Um, I just thought that they they could have gone in some other directions with some of their picks. Miami and Minnesota, and then we'll go ahead and get this podcast wrapped up. So Miami, they had six picks in in the draft, and this was a team who was not very active in the offseason. So when you look at Miami, you know, I knew that they were either going to go offensive line or defensive line here, and, uh, you know, they, they lost... Jawan, uh, Jawan James, the right tackle. Uh, also, you know, you're looking at their guards, Jesse Davis, Isaac Aziata. They could potentially get, uh, you know, could be due for some upgrades there. But obviously, when you got Christian Wilkins sitting there, defensive tackle, if you get a chance to take a player like that, you're going to do it. This is going to be a guy who's going to come in and be a starter right away. If you watch the draft, um, the best walkout of anybody. Um, basically pointed up in the air to uh, to leap with uh, um, with the commissioner. Roger Goodell didn't really pick up on that, and uh, luckily, you know, Goodell didn't go down when uh, when Wilkins jumped up in the air. But uh, you know, 192 tackles in his career, 40 and a half tackles for loss, 16 sacks, 15 pass breakups. You know, four fumble recoveries, two forced fumbles. Uh, you know, he does a little bit of everything, and I think he's got that versatility. If you want to play an odd man front, he can be the five technique. You know, it can be a three technique uh, in a four-three defense, and uh, you know, he's a he's a guy that I think Brian Flores is going to love. Uh, absolutely love this guy. Um, going to be a, a starter right away, um, and uh, you know. Just one of those no-brainer picks. I thought that that was a great pickup there for the Dolphins. A high-character guy as well. Um, he was the kindergarten teacher in the offseason. You know, one year does a lot, uh, a lot of work in the community as well. Um, I saw a lot of people, you know, giving the the third round pick a hard time that they, you know, invested in a, in a guard. Uh, but Michael Dieter's a guy, 54 starts, and uh, you know has played at, at tackle. Can you know? play at center in a pinch, you know, played at guard for the majority of his career. And, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, he's, you know, was left guard, you know, at the end of his career there at, uh, at Wisconsin. It also played left tackle, but, uh, I'm looking at Isaac Asiata and I think Michael Dieter can end up taking over the starting job there. Very physical at the point of attack, going to excel in the running game, blocking for Kenyon Drake and company, um, you know, I think Michael Dieter has a chance to be a starter. So only two picks in uh, in the first two uh, first two days. Uh, day three gets started. Fifth round, Andrew Van Ginkle, 
Um, you know, this is a guy who I think is, you know, he, he's got good speed as a rusher, quick first step, can bend around the corner, good closing speed. But to me, uh, I, I thought there were some better options out there. Um, I think he's going to be someone who um, is going to be a situational pass rusher at best. Um, you know, 6'4", 241 pounds, uh, did have 19 and a half tackles for loss, 12 and a half, or I'm sorry, 12 sacks in his career, uh, four forced fumbles, you know, a, a guy who can get to the football and, 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 uh, and knock passes away. Um, but, um, I, I think he, he just, he struggles to get off blocks and isn't, uh, much of a factor against the run. So I think he'll be a situational pass rusher, like I said, at best, um, there for Miami, um, just looking at him. Um, you know, he's not going to, not going to start ahead of, of Jerome Baker, Kiko Alonso at outside linebacker. So someone, you know, you can throw out there on the passing downs to get after the quarterback. Sixth round, Isaiah Prince, six, seven, 305 pounds. There's your right tackle. Um, you know, he, he's very long, but he's very much a project. I think his, his kick slide, you know, the, his, he's not using the, the choppy steps, very elongated um, strides there. And, uh, you know, that makes him susceptible to a lot of the speed rushers. You know, very powerful in the running game, a guy that you can really run behind. But uh, he's got to shore up some of that pass technique before he's going to be a viable option at right tackle. You, know, you got Zach Stirrup, the, the journeyman guy there. I think he's played in 13 games, played for, uh, you know, three different teams. Uh, before settling with the Dolphins, so um, seventh round, they, they they pick up Chandler Cox, six foot, two hundred thirty eight pound fullback. Um, you know, and to me, I think this is actually a you know a guy that nobody's really talked about. Didn't even get a, a combine invite, and uh, you know when people were talking about fullbacks and talking about these guys, nobody really talked about Chandler Cox. But you know, this was someone who was a lead blocker for carry on Johnson and company there, um, at Auburn, um, has 26 receptions in his career, 11 touchdowns. Um, I'm sorry, uh, one touchdown there, 11 carries and, and three touchdowns. Um, but he was known as, as that H back, uh, can play tight end, a fullback and, uh, that versatility. Um, I just, I, I think he's a guy who can be a, a lead blocker there, you know, for the running backs, um, there at Miami, um, you know, the, the one question that I had with the Dolphins, though, was you're looking at the running back position and, okay, you've got Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balaj. Are, are you satisfied with that at the running back position? I thought they were going to go running back much sooner. They waited until the se- seventh round to get a running back. 5'9", 205-pound Miles Gaskin. Uh, underrated um, running back. Can be effective between the tackles with good vision. Um, you know, very low pad level, runs through contact pretty well. Um, decent burst, but not necessarily a home run hitter. I think he's quicker than he is fast. 5'9", 205 pounds, ran a 4'5", 840, 35 and a half inch vertical leap. Um, but you, you can't argue the production. And I think that's really the biggest thing, uh, biggest takeaway with, with Miles Gaskin and why he ultimately did get drafted is that production. You know, four, four years of, you know, thousand yards you know on the ground you know over 5300 uh total yard or total uh rushing yards 57 touchdowns uh, average 5.6 yards per carry um you had three straight seasons over 1300 yards and fell uh just um 
32 yards shy of doing that for a fourth consecutive year. 65 receptions, but look, 945 carries in Miles Gaskin's career. A lot of wear on those tires, so that's going to be a, a huge concern there. But he's he's going into a backfield right now where I don't think he's going to be the bell cow by any means. Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balaj, you know, I, I see him sharing time with a lot of those guys. Um, and really, the Dolphins... At the end of the day, what did they do? They, they they traded for Josh Rosen. That's their their big pickup here, along with Christian Wilkins. They've got a guy who's going to compete with Ryan Fitzpatrick for the starting job right away, and a guy who I think can end up being uh, being their starter for a long time at the quarterback position. So I said we were going to go with Minnesota, but Minnesota has a ton of picks. And I'm looking at... Uh, at our time here on this podcast, I think what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and save Minnesota for our next and final podcast, breaking down the positions. You know, Minnesota through Washington. So we're going to go ahead and and call it a night here um, with this this wrap up to the podcast. You know, we're going to take a look at those last few, um, you know, the, the the remaining teams. Minnesota again through Washington. Um, take a look at each of those teams and what they did. We're also um, going to have another podcast after that to really look at some of the um, undrafted free agents, what that looks like, who's going to potentially have a chance there. We'll also take a look at 2020. I'm not going to do a, a 2020 mock draft or anything like that just yet, but who who is it that we're going to be taking a look, you know, to uh, taking a look at early on in the in the draft process? Obviously, Tua Tagovailoa and uh, you know, Justin Herbert, you've got Jake Fromm. You know, there are a lot of different quarterbacks that are out there that could potentially be top 10, top 15 picks that we'll be talking about yet again. Um, but there are a lot of other you know really good athletes. I think the Big Ten is going to have some pass rushers, Chase Young, A.J. Epinesa, who I've been talking about for a long time. I finally get to talk about him in the draft. Uh, you got some decent talent at the offensive line, especially, you know, Trey Adams, you know, my guy, as long as he can stay healthy with that back injury, I think he's going to be in the mix to be the first offensive tackle taken. Uh, some younger guys there, some juniors at the tackle position as well. You've got, you know, Jerry Judy and a, and a host of wide receivers. Um, you know, I think you're going to have some talent there. So, um, you know, running back position is loaded. Jonathan Taylor to um, you know, J.K. Dobbins. So it, it's going to be a fun draft you know, to, uh, to, to cover, you know, because there is, it's not just defense heavy, you know, or any one position that's going to dominate the draft. I think you've got, you know, a much more, um, you know, at the top end of the draft, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more depth. So I I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and we'll break down, take a look at some of these players, uh, at the onset here. Um, really, obviously it's, it's too early to really start predicting things, for, for 2020, but you know we'll we'll do our best to at least take a look at some of the guys to keep an eye out for, and then we'll call it you know an end to the 2019 uh, podcast series, and then uh, we'll start back up in August to get ready for uh, the 2020 uh, 2020 draft, the 2019 college football season. So uh, two more podcasts. We'll get those cranked out here the next week and uh, hope you've enjoyed the podcast at this point. I know I've had fun breaking them down and getting all the information to you. Um, so for readyforthedraft.com and the Ready for the Draft podcast, this is Greg Schutz. Until next time, everyone, take care, have a good week, and I am out of here. Take care, everyone.